were studying of Acts and all, I found out that no matter how many times you read uh, verses or read uh, the same verse in God's Word to study it, it always seems like to come up with something that we kind of overlooked the first time. But before I get into that, I did hear something interesting this week that I thought was interesting. It's about a man, Joseph Medicott Scriven. He was a famous poet. He was born September 10th, 1819 in Dublin, Republic of Ireland. He died August 10th, 1886 in Port Hope, Canada. It shows how even back in, in the 1800s, how people can be born in one area and travel great distance. People say, well, what's that got to do with, with Sunday morning sermon now? It's the idea that Joseph Medcock Scriven, he was engaged to be married. But the day before his wedding, say she drowned. So then it went on for years. This is when he moved on over to Canada. It went on for years and he got engaged again just before the wedding. His fiance passed away. Joseph Scriven never married. And people again say, you know, but, you know, it's a sad story, but the thing of it is, is we might not know him by Joseph Scriven. We know him by his song, What a Friend Be Having Jesus. This man suffered so much loss, but yet, he can still say the happiness that it brought just by having a friend in Jesus. <coughs> Met a lady and, and, and there he uh, passed away, 96 years old. And from what everybody said, she was faithful all of her life. She might not be famous to the world as we know it, but she was famous and God knew her. God knows each and every one of us. No matter what age we pass away, will people be able to say they were faithful to God? As I said from studying in the book of Acts, I'm going to be in Acts chapter 9. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version this lesson. But Acts chapter 9, verse 32 and 43 is where my lesson is coming from. But for a short while, the churches in Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace as a result of his main persecutor being converted. And we see in Acts chapter 9 in verse 31 where it says, Then the churches throughout all uh, Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified and walking in, in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. They were multiplied. And we know from Brother Edges uh, teaching and everything, doing a great job. I encourage everyone to, to be here for that first hour. And I'm talking about Paul, or at the time, Saul. Excuse me, he had been converted. So now that they really don't have the fear of this persecution from this man. But <clears throat> we see in Galatians chapter 1, Verse 22 to 24. Galatians 1, 22 24 tells us, And I was unknown by faith to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they were hearing only. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they glorify me in God. So while Saul is, is preaching 
and Tarsus. While Paul preaching in Tarsus, uh, Cilicia, and Syria, the Apostle Peter is preaching in western Judea near the Mediterranean Sea. While in the area, he performed two miracles. That's what I want to look at this morning. My lesson is on these two miracles that Peter uh, uh, performed and what we can get out of it and use it in our lives today. As I said, my text 9, uh, 32, starting in Acts chapter 9. I'm, my first uh, miracle comes in the verses 32 through 35. Acts chapter 9, verse 32. Now it came to pass as Peter went through all the parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in uh, Lida, Lada. There he found a certain man named Anetus, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus of Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt at Lida and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Because all of these regions were suddenly, they were spirits and peaceful condition. Peter visited congregations, edifying them. He was fulfilling the, the charge that Christ had given him in John chapter 21. John 21, verses 15 through 17. It says, so when they had, had, had dined, or when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than that of these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Now Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now the question, if Jesus was to ask you this morning, do you love Jesus Christ? It's the same answer. Feed his sheep. In other words, go out and preach and teach. Tell people about, about Jesus. How he gave his life on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. If we love Jesus, it's going to be more, it has to be more than just in words. We have to be obedient. We have to be show it in action. And by the only action he tells us here is the same thing he tells Peter is, feed my sheep. Peter visits the saints in Lada. This city was an important commercial center. At the intersection of two uh, travel ways or highways we call it today, it was connected Egypt to Syria and Joppa to Jerusalem. It was formerly known in the Old Testament as Lod. Now Peter finds a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed. What well, paralysis was so severe that he had been bedridden for eight years. Now we don't know if he was a Christian or not. Peter calls upon the powers of Jesus to he name to heal him. Now note back in Acts chapter four, verses eight through ten. Acts 4, 8 through 10. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to him, Rulers of the people and the elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him this man stands here before you whole. Now this is healed immediately and completely. No one could doubt a miracle had been performed. Now the healing, this healing is similar to Jesus' healing of the paralytic in Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. We've seen in Luke chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Immediately he rose before them, took up what he'd been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. This miracle com confirmed that what Peter was preaching was the truth. Mark 16 and 20. Mark 16 and 20 tells us, And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. This led many to turn to the Lord. We have to stop and ask ourselves, have we done anything to cause one or two to turn to the Lord? As I said, this here about them confirming the word, they're preaching and uh, signs and all. It led many to turn to the Lord. They turned away from sin and turned towards Christ. Acts chapter 3 verse 26. Acts 3 and 26. To, to you first God having raised up his servant Jesus. Sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Second I want to look at is Peter raised to death. Acts chapter 9 verse 36 through 43. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. And when they had washed her and laid her in the upper room, and since Lydia, Lydia, excuse me, since Lydia was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him, weeping, showing the turnips and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter pulled them, all, pulled them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turned to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa. And many believed on the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a Tanner. Now from watching a lot of westerns and all, this cannon job was nasty. But we see here that Joppa was located on the Mediterranean coast, about 11 miles northwest of Lava. The prophet Jonah had had departed from here on his famous journey when he thought he could run away from God. But today it's known as Japha. It's a suburb of Tel Aviv. But a disciple of Jesus is there named Tabitha, Aramaic name, or Dorcas, her Greek name. Both means antelope or gazelle, an animal of beauty and of grace. She was known for her good works, her acts of kindness. She had devoted herself to doing good for others. Matthew chapter 6, verses 2 through 4. Matthew 6, 2 through 4 tells us, Therefore, what, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, 
they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be a secret, and your father who sees a secret will himself reward you openly. Now we've seen here that Dorcas becomes sick and dies, dies while Peter is in Lydda. She is so beloved that the disciples sent for Peter to come without delay. Been 11 miles, it would probably take about three hours to get there and about three hours to, to walk or run back. When Peter arrives, he goes to the upper room where her body is laid. He is met by several crying widows who received clothes that Dorcas had made for them. These were greater memorials than marble <coughs> or bronze monuments would have been. We're told here in the scripture that Peter cleared the room. He kneels down and he prays. Up to this point, there is no record of an apostle having raised the dead. Even though Peter had witnessed Christ raising three people from the dead. Now these three people, of course, as the daughter of Jairus, we read about in Mark 5, 40 and 42. And they ridiculed him, but when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. And then he took the child by hand and said, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, rise. Immediately this little girl rose and walked for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with amazement. And then, of course, the second one being the son of the widow at nine, Luke 7, 14 and 15. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. And then, of course, the third one is well-known, Lazarus. John 11, 43 and 44. Now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave cloth, and his face was wrapped in cloth. Jesus said to him, Loose him and let him go. But we see here, Dorcas' life returns to her lifeless body, and she sets up. Now, as I said earlier, in the second scripture I read, that Peter stays in Joppa with Simon, who was a tanner. And I said, from what I could tell, tanning was a nasty job. A tanner worked with animal hides, turning the hides into the leather. Tanning was a, a smelly business, so the ocean breezes would be very helpful. Working with animal carcasses would quite often leave him in an unclean state. According to Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 11, verses 35 through 40. And everything on which a part of any such carcass falls shall be unclean. Whether it is, it is an oven or a cooking stove, it shall be broken down, for they are unclean, and shall be unclean to you. Nevertheless, a spring or a cistern, which is, there is plenty of water, shall be clean. But whatever touches any such carcass becomes unclean. And if a part of any such carcass falls on any plant and seed, which is to be sown, it remains clean. But if water is put on the seed, and if a part of any such carcass falls on it, it becomes clean to you. And if any animal which you may eat dies, 
He who touches its carcass shall be unclean until evening. He who eats of its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. He also who also carries his carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. We see here that the people went out and they talked uh, when Peter was talking, but they went out and they done this sign. They talked, they took care of, they fed uh, God uh, the Lord's sheep by teaching them. And it turned many unto, away from their sin unto Christ. We're told the same, or given the same charge today. We are to go out and talk to people, tell them about God's word, and help them turn from their sins to God. We've seen that here that, that Dorcas done many great deeds. How she made the clothes and the tourniquets and different things for the people. Done these great deeds and all for them. We have to stop and ask ourselves, what have we done for God? You know, if we study in our Sunday mornings, one of the questions was what happened around noon on Saul's journey? The answer sure wasn't he was saved because he wasn't saved on the road to Damascus. The light appeared to him. The Lord appeared to him and told him what he must do. Now, uh, the Lord could have easily said, Saul, your sins are forgiven you and go on. But he didn't. He told him to go on into Damascus and, and to meet up with Ananias and he would tell you what needs to be done. We all have man's part. God is not a respecter of people. He gives us all. We are created in God's image. But it's up to each and every one of us if we're going to accept God's word. That's the same thing and we're going to get into it. Uh, hopefully we'll probably get into it next Lord day. Lord willing in our Sunday morning class and all. Then calling upon the Lord. Calling upon the Lord is a lot more than just praying. Baptism. Baptism is a lot more than just dipping in water. So in conclusion this morning, I want us to see the effect of these two miracles was that many turned to the Lord and many believed and the Lord. <coughs> this is just two ways of saying the same thing. One places his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, turns from sin to Christ, and obeys him fully. John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So, if you need to be baptized, I beg of you to do it while you still have a chance. Maybe you've already been baptized, but you've stepped out of the, the Lord's way. You need the prayers and the encouragements of the congregation to help you get your life back on track, to get your life right. When we are taking the Lord's Supper, we're told to examine ourselves, make sure our relationship with God is in right where it's supposed to be. Only two people know if your relationship is right with God or not. That's yourself and the Lord. The Lord's already done his part to help you get that relationship right. It's up to each and every one of us. So whatever our need may be, I ask you to come forward and we stand the same, our song of invitation at this time.